Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 14. Does that surprise you? No. Good. John chapter 14. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for all that you are in our lives. We're grateful. Holy Spirit, I welcome you this morning in this place. We're dependent upon you today, desperate for you today. Lord, we need you. So we gather in this place to worship you. We gather in this place to love one another. We gather in this place to hear your word because it's life to our spirit. In these days that we're living in, Father, we desperately need to hear your voice to know your word, and then to walk in the grace that you've given us, to be overcomers, victorious, victorious in our walk with you. So today, I rely upon you, I trust, and welcome your anointing to be great upon this word as I speak it, as I read it, as I declare it today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 John chapter 14, I'm going to read a little bit, and then I... Go back and preach a little bit, if that's okay. If it's not, I'm going to do it anyhow. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. This is uh, week four, and uh, we have successfully gotten through 14 verses. That's exciting. It probably took Jesus about six minutes to quote all this, but uh, there's a lot in it, and uh, we need to understand it. John 14, beginning with verse 15. If you love me... Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you for a little bit. Forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live, leave with you, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the Father may know that I love the Father, but that the, excuse me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do arise and let us go up from here. Wow, read all the way through. That's some good stuff. This morning, we're going to focus on a few verses, though, beginning with verse 18. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's a, there's a significance to this word as the Lord talks to us. As parents, we can understand when we say to our children, take out the trash, and they don't take it out. It causes what in the house? Not peace. <laughs> And uh, hours later, when the trash has still not been taken out, there is uh, frustration that grows. Man, do those kids love you when you give them what they want. Right? And when you take them where they want. But as parents, you ought not to feel real macho about yourself when that's when they're happy with you because something transpires and takes place when you say to your child do this and you expect them to do it one out of respect two out of love for you three out of obedience say obedience, obedience. say I love that word obedience, I love that word, obedience. say I didn't always love that word <laughs> But obedience is better than what? It's better than sacrifice. And obedience always brings peace and joy. Whether you're talking about in your home or in your job situation where maybe you're the boss and you expect those that work under you to do certain things. And when they do, wow, there's just such peace in the business, right? But when they don't do what you have asked them to do, even if they think that what you ask is stupid. Amen? Even when they don't like what you've asked, boy, when they do it, it produces peace. Same way in the family. Children don't always like taking out their trash or making their bed, cleaning their bathroom. How many kids, how many young people are in here under the age of 18? Let me see. Matter of fact, all, everybody under 18, just stand in the room. All across, the, come on, I'm looking at you. If you're under 18, stand. Wow, come on, somebody. Look at all these obedient young people. Hey, Amen, thank you. You guys are beautiful. Thank you. You can be seated. Now stay awake and use those phones only to take notes, okay? Amen. He said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 
Once you receive the gift that God gives, he comes to abide with you forever. He doesn't come to visit, doesn't come through when you're here on Sunday, leave when you leave the parking lot, because wow, yeah, I'm not hanging out with you this week. No, no, the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that has been given to us. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then I love that he just throws this just seemingly word in the middle of all of this. He says, oh, and I will not leave you orphans because there's something about an orphan spirit and it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Say amen. Kingdom of God is all about fatherhood and family. It's what every orphan desires and wants is a family and a father in their life. But I just love how he throws that in there in the midst of all this commanding us that if we love him, we're going to keep his word, we're going to keep his commandments, we're going to keep his laws, we're going to follow after what he says. And, and he's just encouraging us with a, with a person, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and right in the middle of it, he says, I'll not leave you orphans, meaning he's going to continue to father us. Amen? In the midst of what we're going through, he's going to continue to be there to father us. So in, in those few little verses, I love the fact that, number one, Jesus declares, if you love me, if you love me. I mean, he's speaking this word to the disciples, looking them right in the eyes, and he says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. It's, it's a word of, of, of encouragement, exhortation, challenge. But it also is a word that has consequences because if you love me and you keep my commandments, then what happens if you don't keep my commandments? What's the backside of it? You must not love me. If you don't keep my word, then you don't love me. So at times when we, besides me in this room, has anyone ever not kept the command of the Lord, the word that the Lord spoke to you? Anybody besides myself? Just... Thank you. I'm so glad I'm not alone here, just in the middle of a house full of perfect saints. <laughs> now, sometimes we disobey, sometimes not even out of a rebellious heart. Sometimes we just are lazy, sleepy, tired, and we find ourselves in that position where we become disobedient. And the Father who loves us so much, who will not leave us orphans, he doesn't wait till a week from Sunday to come deal with your heart. That's why parents, when you have to deal with your children, now is the day of salvation. Amen? The moment is the moment of correction and discipline. Not go to your room and we'll talk about it or go stand in that corner. But now is the time. And Holy Spirit comes now in our lives to lovingly convict and bring us to a place where we go, wow, that's correction being spoken in my heart. Amen. Some of you are saying, wow, I thought you were going to talk about the Holy Spirit, just tongues and everything's going to be good. <laughs> he said, if you love me, keep my word, keep my law, keep my commandment. And I know that you have love for the Father. Secondly, he says in those verses, he promises another helper. He calls it the gift of God. How many of you love gifts? Yeah. Come on. 
Everybody loves gifts. I don't care who you are. Some of you don't know how to receive gifts very well. And your kids, you haven't learned how to fake it till you make it when your kids give you their fourth year of socks for your Father's Day. Like, wow. You get a vacation for two weeks to your favorite place and I get socks. Well, I guess, you know, make them work, give them allowance, then you can expect more. But we love gifts. And Jesus says, the gift of the Father, he's giving to you. And I love that he calls one of the first things he calls the Holy Spirit by is the helper. I need help today in my life. I don't know about you, but in this world, 2022, everything that's going on, business and church and family and craziness and life and your disappointing sports team and, and all that you're going through and, and, and unhappiness with some things, we need help. We need, to, we need help to maintain, make sure that we're living in the straight and narrow. I need help. I don't know about you. Need help. Because sometimes you can stray a little bit. You know, I've often used the illustration in talking about walking the straight and narrow path. The illustration of flying an airplane. Now, I jumped out of airplanes 91 times another lifetime ago. And uh, it's hard to use an illustration about going the straight and narrow when you jump out of airplanes. You just jump and go down. (laughs) And, uh, you know, with a modern day shoot, you literally can go up to 60 miles from 35,000 feet. You free fall, jump out of an aircraft, and you can fly. Literally, the the suits they wear, you like this, 65 miles away from where you jumped. Then you pop the chute, go another few miles, and land exactly on the X in the spot where you want to land. I don't know how many of you are like, Suzanne, I love military shows, and, and, and I, I, love, I love shows that show these guys jumping out of airplanes in the middle of the night, all loaded down with their gear, and they're at 35,000 feet, and they got oxygen on, the door opens, and they jump, and they're, boom! And they're going to land in the middle of trees in a spot perfectly. But in an airplane, you start flying, and you're flying from Gainesville to Atlanta, Georgia, and you put 360 in your GPS or your, or your avionics and you get everything lined up, that plane's going to fly directly where you have assigned it to fly. But if you're flying VFR, which means visual flight rules, and you don't have any of your electronics on, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. You look at all the instruments that are necessary to fly this plane without instruments. And there is up on the windowsill, that beautiful thing that goes north, south, east, and west. And you know you're going from here to Atlanta. And it's pretty much a straight shot. And you've got the yoke and you're looking at this, you're looking at the ground and you're picking a spot way out there. As far as you can see, because you're not flying in the clouds, you're not flying in fog, you're flying by your eyesight. They don't do that today very much. But they pick a spot out there, and then they fly to it. Then they pick another spot, and they fly to it. Always looking up on the dash and making sure that they're still flying somewhere near 360. 
Because if you're going to fly 200 miles and you, and you want to be exactly south to north at 360, if you fly for 30 minutes at 005, that's a little to the right, barely, hardly visible. When you get to where you're supposed to be on the time frame, guess what? You're not in Atlanta. You might be in University of Georgia, Athens. <laughs> Who in the right mind wants to go there, right? <laughs> no, no, I got to get back to Atlanta. So you got to fly that straight and narrow. The, the Lord commands us to walk in the straight and narrow and to stay focused on the prize, Paul called it, that's been set out in front of you. And hear me, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You, you just need the Holy Spirit in your life to do it. All right, John chapter 15. I want to uh, flip up uh, one chapter real quick. I want you to look at this. It says in verse 14 and 15, just flip over one page, or if you got your smartphone out, just hit 15 and boom, there you are. He says, this is again, John 14, 15, 16, 17 is all in the red in your Bible, right? So, so Jesus is still talking here, and we flip over one page, and he says, verse 14, I love this. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. There's some big ifs. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. John's getting all of this, and, and the disciples are all meditating on everything he's saying. But John's going to remember all this and come back uh, post-Jesus going, ascending to the right hand of the Father, post the Holy Spirit being given, post the time when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is their teacher, their helper, remembering, helping them to remember all the things that Jesus said to them. Those were all promises that Christ gave. And he's writing these things down. But in verse uh, 14, he says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. Listen to this. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You want to know what God thinks about you? Go find out what Jesus said. Go read the word and meditate on it and begin to proclaim everywhere. Put your name in there. Forget that it's for anybody else in the world. Get serious about intimacy with God through friendship by the Holy Spirit. And he will tell you the things he will remind you of the things that he said and how they are relevant for you, how you need them in your life. The Holy Spirit is talking to us, teaching us, helping us. Listen, in 2022, what month are we in? May. Holy Spirit has something to say, and he's going to help us. He's going to impart that when we are serious about his word. It's not just go to church on Sunday, feel good, enjoy some music, you know, and, and maybe read your Bible a couple times during the week. No, no. We're talking about serious inquires into the kingdom of God. Serious. 
two books I want to recommend. I haven't recommended a lot of books lately, but uh, these two books are excellent. One of them is by an amazing man of God who is in, the, is in heaven today, but uh, he was a pastor in the Bahamas, an apostle and a bishop, um, Dr. Miles Monroe, but he wrote a book titled The Purpose and the Power of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is like, this is deep. Okay, this is not just easy reading, shallow. This, man, it's made me meditate and think and ponder the person of the Holy Spirit and the power in which he has given us to accomplish what he has called us to do. I know y'all love it when I quote Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord, you know, has good thoughts for you and he thinks nothing but great things. He's got a, a future and a hope, a purpose for your life. And, and, and man, that just excites us and we get chill bumps on chill bumps. But the reality is there's a responsibility that comes to us that we have to walk out to experience the very purpose in which God created us. And we need the Holy Spirit to do it. We need to understand the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just come to comfort us. Last week when we celebrated L. Clark's life, we needed Holy Spirit to comfort us. And man, he does that well. He does that in a way nobody else can do it. I remember years and years ago, 25 maybe plus years ago, uh, we had a death in our church family, and it, it, was, it was emotionally one of the most difficult seasons of my life as a young pastor, and, and I really wondered, God, if I, I don't know how I can do this. And, and, and I remember Apostle Ball was here, my spiritual father, and he made a statement, and he said, time heals nothing. And it got this quiet when he said it. Because he said it privately first and then he said it publicly. Well, in my heart I knew that, but in my mind and how I live was a whole different thing. I just think, well, you know, we're going to cry for days or weeks or months and, and every time we think about this situation it's going to bring tears and eventually, you know, we'll stop thinking about it. And, and Well, that's how the world lives. But that's not how believers live. And I'll never forget, he said, Holy Spirit heals, not time. Nowhere in scripture does it say time heals anything. Nowhere. But Holy Spirit comes to, to in, bring insight, comfort, and heal. He, he, he comes to do so many amazing things. Well, I encourage you to consider that book. The other one, this is a little easier reading, um, and it's written by somebody that I highly respect, Pastor Robert Morris from uh, outside of Dallas, Texas, and he wrote the book, um, The Blessed Life, powerful, powerful book. But uh, I got a hold of this a couple of years ago, and it's titled The God I Never Knew. And more than anything, it was the title that made me ponder, what is Robert talking about? And the introduction to the book and the first uh, chapter of the book kind of explains uh, how Robert was raised. And, and, uh, and then he begins to share about coming into the revelation of his necessity for the Holy Spirit. How he could basically never accomplish what God had called him to do 
just with good intentions. We all have good intentions, but the power to live out that is a whole different ballgame. And so uh, this book really is an introduction to the friendship with God. And through that friendship, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the friend that comes to live and dwell in us forever. Y'all are really quiet this morning. Listening. Listening. I like that. John chapter 16. Go one more page over. I want to read you a few other verses. I don't know if the guy's got this on the screen because I gave it to him this morning. It's a problem when you finish preparing and then you keep preparing. But my guys are awesome, so I would almost bet it's up there. Uh, chapter 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, Jesus is speaking here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's, you got to remember now, he's still speaking to the disciples. They still have not received the Holy Spirit. They still are trying to figure everything out in the natural. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus is trying to get the disciples to a place where even though he understands fully that they are not comprehending what he has to say, he's telling them everything because he knows when the Holy Spirit, the helper comes, he's going to bring to their remembrance everything that Jesus said before he went to the cross. Somebody besides my wife say amen to that. I mean, all of a sudden, after they receive the Holy Spirit, there's like enlightenment, inspiration, revelation, everything that they have need to know to do the will of God, which was to be faithful so that you and I, 2,000 years later, would have the opportunity to stand here as believers today with a revelation of the kingdom of God because they remembered and wrote it down. And not only did they write it down, they went throughout all the kingdom spreading the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. I think we ought to give the Lord an ovation for that, man. Because without their faithfulness, I mean, we can look at the disciples and go, what is with you guys? Or we can go, wow, thankful that they stood faithful. And that everything Jesus spoke, they remembered not because they were brilliant, educated men. No, most of them were not. They were normal, everyday Joes like you and me. But they remembered. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak those words. Seven things Jesus shares in John 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to get back over to John 14 here. About the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to write these down, put them in your mental uh, uh, box, go back and listen to this later today, because you need to understand these seven things that Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit and what he was going to do in our lives 
is vital for you walking in victory in 2022. It's vital. It's not just good enough that we know Jesus died on the cross, went to the grave, was resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He did all of that to bring us to this place where we would receive his Holy Spirit. And that's why all these young people that you saw standing under the age of 18, why they so desperately need an experience with the person of the Holy Spirit at the earliest age that they have the ability to receive Christ. Now, you have to understand, I'm going to get off on something for a minute, but there's a reason, I guess. Your children, if they spend all their waking hours on stupid vision and tablets and iPhones and all that the world has to offer, and then you send them to their room to read the word for 15 minutes, the word will be wiped out. Their minds are still wondering, how do I win that game? Or what do I do with this? Or how do I reach my friends? There is a battle raging for the souls of our young people. And they need the Holy Spirit. If Peter, James, and John needed the Holy Spirit... They walked with Christ, they saw the miracles, they saw the power, they saw the manifestation, they saw the feeding of the multitudes, they saw the dead raised to life. If they needed the Holy Spirit, how much more today in 2022 do we need the Holy Spirit in our life? How much more do our children need the Holy Spirit in their life? That's why I'm I'm excited about this summer, about us as a church family again, coming together for uh, about eight days, I guess, Sunday to Sunday, uh, for Reach Week 2022, because it's going to give an opportunity for us as a body to maybe take some vacation time, take some time off like you're going on a missions trip, because you are, and you're going to be going to Gainesville, and we're going to take a week and, and go shoulder to shoulder and elbow to elbow with our young people and say, God, how do we show the love of God, no limit love to the people of our city and community? How do we get out there and feed those who are hungry and, and, and minister to those maybe in hospitals and, and in the government and in, in, in businesses and on the streets and at the gas station? How do we take our love through practical ways into the community and maybe try to bless some of our uh, uh, public schools that need some help and, and uh, just go in? There's so many pictures of three summers ago. I Man, I love the picture of a whole bunch of our young people, about seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, at one of the fire stations, praying as the firemen had their heads bowed, helmets off, and as these young guys were praying over these firemen. Whoo! Man, that did something in my spirit. Because at the same time, we're over in northern Peru, and we're, we're ministering, and we're doing things, and all of us need a translator. But way back here at home in Gainesville, our, our young ones are at a fire station saying to the firemen, after they got the tour, and got to stand up on the fire truck and, and do all the cool things and put on some of the you know, big uniforms or, uh, uh, that they wear. But all of a sudden, before they left, can we pray for you? And it's recorded as these young people are praying over these firemen. I never pass a deputy sheriff, a police officer, a state trooper that I don't stop and pause and say, thank you for your service. Yes, 
When I get a chance, I'll buy them a cup of coffee. When I get a chance, if I can serve them in some way. I have literally pulled off the road, seen the deputy sheriff. Now, we know a bunch of them on this side of town because they work uh, for us on Sundays. But every once in a while, I just pull off the road and I see one sitting there. And you got to be careful how you do this. You just don't go flying up on them, you know, <laughs> jerk the dark window down. You might have a gun in your face. But, but I always flash my lights and, and I pull, I put my window down, pull up beside and, and, hey, how you doing? We have some that come sit back here on the back of our property. Matter of fact, one of them was telling me recently, he said, you know, y'all got a lot of activity out here at night. (laughs) And he's telling me some stories, some of the things he's experienced out on the middle of our property in the middle of the night. And they always turn their lights on and freak people out. And, and uh, he said, man, one was up here uh, recently a couple months ago. And they got out of their vehicle and they set up a little tent. And they, they were getting ready just to have a good time. And, and he's just sitting there like he said, I can't even believe they didn't see me. <laughs> so he said, I just turned my lights on, cranked, and just drove right up over to them. Man, they were having to clean their pants, I promise you. <laughs> it's like, what are y'all doing? Oh, we just thought we were going to camp out here for a little while. Well, do you have the church's uh, authority to do this? No, we didn't think they'd mind. (laughs) He says, they mind. But when we need the Holy Spirit. Go back to John 14, verse 25. It says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said. Now I want to give you these seven things that Jesus gave. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, this is what he's going to do. Now you're going to find these throughout John 14, 15, and 16. Number one, Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. To dwell in you. Again, he didn't come to visit. Came to live. Came to dwell. What does that mean and the significance of it? Probably need a revelation of Holy Spirit to help you to understand how you live. How how you live at church, how you live at home, how you live when you drive, how you live where you work. The Holy Spirit, once we've invited him to come in, comes to stay and not visit. And in his staying, he's there when you're yelling at your wife or your husband. And he's not happy. But he's not going to grab your tongue and just start spinning you around either. He's going to let you just make a fool out of yourself. Or when you're driving down the road, oh, Lord have mercy, this this can just affect a whole bunch of spirit-filled believers. We act sometimes as though Holy Spirit is waiting for us at church. We'll be back, Holy Spirit, next Sunday. The Lord's willing. The beaches aren't too nice. Disney's not too crowded. We'll be back. Man, I don't want that kind of Holy Spirit. Because it's in me when I need him that he's knocking on our heart's door and going, "Mm -mm." that's what conviction is. And it's not condemnation. Holy Spirit never comes to condemn, comes to convict the world of 
sin, unrighteousness, righteousness. He comes to convict of right. I love it. He comes to convict of righteousness, meaning at times we need to be convicted that we're righteous and not unrighteous. We need to be convicted that there's a way that we live as believers. Wednesday night after family night, I got home and I was going to just eat a little salad. So sat down in my living room, flipped on the TV, and I, I haven't watched much uh, sports lately, college or professional, except for golf. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Just play golf if you want to find out if you're really saved. But I love the game of golf because it's the only game where you call penalties on yourself. The other day, a week ago, Sunday, we were watching a game, real important golf game, a lot of money. The guy that's going to win today is going to win $2.13 million for four days of work and a lifetime of committing to something. Whether, whatever you agree or disagree on that's irrelevant. But the guy gets over his ball and he's getting ready to putt and the wind was blowing like crazy. But the thing is, in golf, once you get in position over the ball and put your club down, then if the ball moves, and the ball moved. I mean, they had the cameras on this ball at bazillion. Jim, you'd have to explain the power of the zoom on this thing. It's showing every little dimple in this golf ball. And, and it does this. It does and he saw it. Nobody else saw it. Nobody on the camera saw it. But the golfer saw it. And he backs away. And he tells the two players that are playing with him, did y'all see my ball move? Because I believe my ball moved. And they're like, no, man, I didn't see your ball move. They're, they're like, just putt. No, no, I, I saw the ball move. So sure enough, man, the cameras are now zooming in. They're trying to find that, 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 that uh, uh, roll where it shows it. And sure enough, they find it. And, and the ball just, it didn't even roll. It just like, back in the same position. Well, after about 12 minutes, they all agreed that the ball moved, but it didn't reposition, and it wasn't his fault. The wind blew, and the, um, the ref comes in, and they get a reading. And sure enough, they've been saying over and over again, even if it did, it's not a penalty. But the guy wanted to make so certain, because if he went ahead and putted it, and then put on the scorecard what he had made, the minute he writes that score, he's committed to it. And if it was a penalty, and he didn't call it on himself, he gets penalized. And, well, basketball's not that way. <laughs> Bam! No, I didn't hit you. What are you talking about? That's not a foul. <laughs> I remember in college, between my freshman and sophomore year, we were playing in the summer, and uh, a guy had transferred down from a, another bigger school to Southeastern College where I was playing basketball, and coaches weren't in there, but we were playing a pick em up game, and it was skins against shirts, and I was on the skin team, and uh, I'm guarding this guy, and he just, he was just kind of violent, and he's just pushing and jerking like this, and I'm behind him, and I'm guarding him, and, and all of a sudden, he gives me an elbow as he spins around this way, and the elbow went right onto my cheekbone here, and blood just spurted out, <laughs> and landed on my chest, and the minute I saw it, I went, boom. <laughs> 
I woke up in this tiny little Volkswagen and this guy's rushing to me, to me to the hospital because they thought it was my eye. There was so much blood. And so they got this bandage. I don't know if it's my eye. I just know there's a lot of pain. And, and uh, they get me to the hospital, clean it up, and they didn't even stitch it. <laughs> they just put one of those little band-aids on it, you know, real tight around the cheekbone and, and it quit. But, but that guy still was swearing he didn't hit me. Anyhow, back to Wednesday night. <laughs> Wednesday night, I go home, I flip on the TV, and, and Florida's playing FSU in baseball. And so I, I, I just think, well, I just watched for a couple minutes. I hadn't watched any Florida baseball in years. And I flip it on, and the first thing I see is this family sitting out in the field, and they had the cameras on them, just bam, just like 12, 13 seconds. I am not exaggerating. I, I recorded it. Because it was of Nick and three of his kids. And Nick's just sitting there, man, so relaxed. One of the girls is sitting on his lap, the son over here. The other girls are playing around. And so I took pictures. I sent it, sent it to Nita, and then I sent it to Nick. I said, good thing you're not picking your nose. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with this scripture I was about to read. But the Holy Spirit will come and help you. <laughs> He dwells in you. Number two, he guides you into all truth. Guides you into all truth. Any one of the pastors on my team could preach an hour message on the necessity of receiving the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Because a lie brings a curse, but truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Number three, Holy Spirit prays for you, yes. intercedes for you, as Christ is interceding at the right hand of the Father. So the Holy Spirit is here to help you. Number four, he never leaves you. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in his promise that he's not going to leave you in hard times. Some of you... I've gone through hard times over these last couple of years. And your testimony would be, only way I made it was by the help of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the saints. Ran into someone the other day, doesn't go to our church, business person in the community. And I ran into them and they literally were shocked when they saw me. And, they, and the guy stopped. And he goes, Pastor George, my gosh. You look great. Uh, what were you expecting? <laughs> Try my best. No, what he was saying was, and he made this statement, my wife and I have prayed for you every night. He said, I don't even remember how long. I said, 31 months. He said, we pray, and he's never seen me, doesn't go to church here, found out about what I was walking through through a friend of a friend. But he said, my wife and I, man, who does that? Who prays for somebody for 31 months that they've never met before? A, a lot of spirit-filled, amazing people. Because Holy Spirit puts it in their heart. And they're interceding for you. How'd that happen? Because the Holy Spirit has put it in their heart. And they're faithful. And I said to him, I have no words to say thank you 
because I know that I know that it is the prayers of the saints that have sustained my life these 31 months. I know it. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. Number five, he is your helper. What do you need help on? Holy Spirit is there to help. The Spirit of Christ in you. How is it Christ in me, the hope of glory? The Holy Spirit. That's how. Because there's nothing good in you outside of God. But because he comes to help you, everything that you have need of, his promise is yes and amen. Number six, he comes to comfort you. Comfort you in times of sorrow and mourning, pain and loss. He's there for us. And lastly, number seven, shows you things to come. Shows you what's coming. Shows you how to walk in it. Shows you how to deal with the things in you that need to be dealt with. Shows you how to love your spouse, your husband, your wife, your friends, your neighbors, those that you work with. He shows you. He doesn't just tell you, hey, Hector, get it right. Oh, he says, Hector, when Hector first got married, I love this story. Every time Hector calls his wife, he hangs up by, love you, sweetie, love you, baby, love you, baby, love you, baby. And he's with me a few times, and he heard me talking to Suzanne, and we finished our conversation. We hung up. (laughs) We've been married 43 years. (laughs) My love hadn't changed. (laughs) Her love hadn't changed, and to be honest, I ain't got time to say that. (laughs) Fifteen times a day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All you, all you perfect, righteous, married people, I'm going to talk to your spouse. We're going to do a marriage workshop starting next week. <laughs> Hector and Sandra will be teaching it. <laughs> Actually, recently I heard that Sandra had found her wedding vows. Is this true? <laughs> and, and I don't remember all of Hector and Sandra's wedding vows, except I know at first they were really long. And, and secondly, I remember, do you really want to say all this? <laughs> They were like, yes, Pastor, yes, yes. We, you sure you don't want to shorten it down a little bit? Take this out. Stop making all these promises and commitments that, I mean, just let life take, take care of itself. Oh, no, we want this. <laughs> and, and then you go back and read some of that stuff. <laughs> Woo! I'm not even certain Jesus could have kept that commitment. But you know what? The beauty is Hector and Sandra, 15 plus years, 16, 17 this week in October. This week in October. 17 years. Some of y'all been, how many have been married 20 years? Let me see your hand. 25 years. 35 years. 40 years. 45 years. 50 years. 
Anybody? Woo! Alan and Sarah, Bob, Kathy, Randy and Deb. Can't see who that is, but amen to 50 plus years. 52. Anybody more than 52? How many? 61. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. How many of y'all been married? 53. 61. Anybody more than 61? Wow, that's a long time. I was four years old. That's awesome. You know how you do that? You don't quit. And you trust Holy Spirit. And when necessity, you say, I love you, baby, before you hang up on the phone. I can't preach anymore after that. Y'all done messed me up. I am finished. Krista's up here. Sweetheart, I love you. Baby, I love you. And I know she loves me. Sometimes when she calls and needs my help, because GPS, you know, is messed up. She ain't got time for me to be telling her I love her. I'm just trying to justify up here. She, she just wants directions. And if the directions are good, she knows, man, he loves me. He takes care of me. Bob, how do you close the service like this? Wow. The Holy Spirit is here for us today. And if you're saved and you love Jesus, but you have not received the person of the Holy Spirit in your life, it is so incredibly simple because when you ask of God, he gives freely when we ask in faith. It's not about learning how to talk in tongues. Tongues are a part of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they've never been liberated to pray in tongues. And people that are super really smart, they have a really hard time with the heavenly language of tongues because they can't figure it out in the brain because it's not a brain issue. It's a heart issue, a necessity to depend upon Holy Spirit. I can't even imagine knowing how to pray anymore without the Holy Spirit. Because I start praying in my understanding. My, and, and, and Paul encourages, exhorts us, pray in the Spirit, pray in your understanding. Sing in the Spirit, sing in your understanding. We need the Holy Spirit. And we have been given the gift of tongues. It increases. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. It is the power of God within me. Jude said, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up in the most holy faith. But don't get hung up and think because you asked for Holy Spirit to come and reside and live in you that because you haven't been free yet to pray in that heavenly language. The Holy Spirit, the first evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit is power in your life. I couldn't walk without sinning. Now I can walk without sinning. Holy Spirit comes to indwell, live in, empower you, help you. Would you just stand with me? I'm going to, prayer team, come on quickly across the front. We're going to just take a few moments. It's still early. Man, I stopped right on time. 
because y'all mess with me. If you have to go, please go quietly, but if you don't, please just hang, wait. Jamie and the worship team's coming. We're gonna, we're gonna just worship. We're gonna invite Holy Spirit to come and do what he does well. If you have any other need in your life, today you're sick in your body, you need Jesus to touch you, to heal you, he is here to heal. I've had a last couple of tough, really, days dealing with some chemo fatigue and did something I had not done in 31 months and forgot to take all my meds uh, the other morning. And the next day, my body was just, yesterday was just, I, think, I couldn't even explain what was going on in me. I knew I wanted to preach today. I knew the Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach. But I needed a touch of God. Yesterday, last night, the whole afternoon, I just laid around resting, praying, speaking the word over me, inviting Holy Spirit. This morning I came in and these folks, the prayer team, in our preparation at 9.30, I just stepped up and said, y'all pray over me. See, when you have a need, don't act like you don't. Don't leave the house with the same need you came in because God's here to touch you. He's here to heal you. He's here to strengthen you. He's here to provide for you the things that you have need of. And we as the body of Christ, what a joy we have that we can receive these gifts of God. The Holy Spirit is here today among us. And I want you just to close your eyes for a moment in the front and across this congregation. I want you just to lift your hands and just say these simple words with me. Holy Spirit. I invite you right now in a big way in me in us and in this house we need you today to touch lives to heal bodies to give strength to comfort those of us that are hurting to tell some of us the things we need to know so that we can walk in victory this week Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now in this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.